Welcome to the Live Treasure Podcast, brought to you by Treasured Ministries, where every week we coach you with steps of faith you can take today to change your tomorrow. And now, on to today's show. Hey there, and welcome to part two in a series we are doing in the Live Treasure Podcast on codependence and narcissists. Now, if you're just now joining uh, this podcast and you want to go back and listen to part one of this where I talk about why codependents are often drawn to narcissists and how that is an an unhealthy situation, um, you can go back and listen to that just by subscribing to uh, the Live Treasured podcast. And today is part two of this message that revolves around codependence and narcissists. And to show you that, I'm going to be bringing you the audio from a playlist that we have up inside of our YouTube channel called Conquering Codependency God's Way. Now, if you're listening to this and you think, maybe I do struggle with codependency a little bit, which by the way, biblically speaking, codependency is simply just a lack of God dependency, which means really on some level, all Christians struggle with it somewhat, right? Like when we depend on ourselves versus God or, or whatever. But um, but if you are a person who is really drawn to people-pleasing, um, who loves being the rescuer, uh, those sorts of things, you could potentially have this. And, you know, for me, that was my go-to coping mechanism that I used for years until God brought me through this um, pruning season where He showed me it, taught me biblical principles. And that's why I'm passionate with a capital P to teach these principles. It's what I do inside of my YouTube channel. And a lot of times, what I do inside of this podcast like today. Now, we're going to be talking about um, codependent and narcissist again as we look into this relationship between David and Saul inside of the Bible. And we're going to be gleaning some pretty important biblical truths uh, from that. Um, and and before I go into this, um, I want to say that, you know, narcissism, that is a clinical term, right? And um, my friends that are psychologists have reminded me that narcissists uh, can, can either, you can be clinically diagnosed with that, but you can also have narcissistic um, tendencies. And uh, with that, um, I'm saying that to you to know that, I, okay, I know like, you know, we don't know if Saul was clinically diagnosed as a narcissist, okay? But he certainly was narcissistic in that he got really jealous when David began to shine and he really needed things to revolve around him, right? And so so we're going to be looking at how David dealt with Saul and why that's really important, and the reason why it's important is because a lot of times when you're a codependent and you're a people pleaser, you will just sort of lose your identity inside of community. You'll become enmeshed. And that's that's a big mess. And the reason why it's a big mess is because the Bible tells us that before you were born, God had a plan and a purpose for your life. And that it is through us 
shining through that purpose that we bring God glory. Well, narcissists don't like that. They want you to stop shining. It like threatens them, right? And they they will push you down. And, And we see this played out many times, even inside mother-daughter relationships. Um, Sometimes instead of a mother-daughter relationship, a mom will be a great mom. But the minute you start, if you're inside of this situation, you start shining or achieving, the mother can become threatened and want to pull away. And so so what I want to do is I really want us to look inside of the Word of God. You know that I'm extremely passionate about how timeless the truths inside of the Bible are, how much they can teach us and and lead us to freedom, and that we really need to center in um, our solutions for soul hearts there, because Jesus says, when we know the truth, it will set us free. And this is what happened to me. God set me free through His Word. Now, I want to be clear that I'm certainly not a counselor. I am not a psychologist, and I don't have my seminary degree. But I can tell you that the Word of God works, and it worked in my life. And when I began to lean on it with everything in me, that's when I gained confidence. That's when I gained freedom. And that's when my eyes were opened to how my coping mechanism of codependency caused me to not become the woman that God created me to be, but to sort of retreat back. And that's not where God wants you. So today, we're going to be launching into part two of this this series on codependency and narcissism. And I want to say a couple of things. One, this is going to be the audio from our YouTube channel. If you're listening to this and you want to maybe learn more about codependency, subscribe to the Treasure Ministries YouTube channel and find our playlist, Conquering Codependency, God's Ways. Second thing that I want to say is you may know a woman who's involved in a narcissistic relationship. Please pass this podcast on to them. You know, for years... I would struggle inside of this, and it was almost like, uh, you know, the, the the teachings that I heard inside of church were almost like justifying my codependency, and it's just not so. It's not God's way, and it wasn't that the Word wasn't being taught to me correctly. It's the filter that I was hearing it through. My codependency filter um, was telling me that I couldn't set boundaries, um, that I uh, that I should recede, that I shouldn't try, all these sorts of things. So you know what? Let's let me stop talking about all of this stuff, and let's dive in to today's lesson. Ready? Let's do this. Hey there, YouTubers. Welcome to the Treasured Ministries YouTube channel and our playlist called Conquering Codependency God's Way, where we believe that God's solution to codependency is superior, where I take different aspects of codependency and teach you straight from the Word of God on how to break free. 
And the reason why I am passionate about this with a capital P is because for years I struggled with codependency and I didn't even know it. And God took me on a beautiful uh, journey of pruning and changing. And now I want to share with you straight from the Word of God what He has showed me. Now today I want to talk about codependence and narcissist. And I'm going to be doing um, several different videos on this subject because a lot of times the codependent is attracted to uh, a narcissist. And there's many different reasons why. And in another video, I'll be going into that more. But what I want to focus on today is handling a narcissist when they begin to become angry with you because you have started to do things like say no and not please all the time. Now, normally in a codependent narcissistic relationship, that usually creates this great little pair because the codependent is the people pleaser, is the one that always says yes, and the narcissist loves to be in the spotlight, to be the one that is pleased, to be the one that always uh, leads and, and has the say. But what will eventually happen is the codependent will uh, begin to speak up or get um, tired of being in that role. And when that happens, the narcissist can become threatened and even angry and begin to do things to the codependent uh, uh, that are not just. And so we often find ourselves inside of that toxic, unhealthy uh, relationship and we need ways to handle it. And so Inside of today's teaching, I'm actually going to be taking you into uh, a video that I recorded uh, for a Bible study called Undercover. We're going to be looking into this relationship between Saul, who was the classic narcissist, uh, and David, when David began to step into his anointing and it angered Saul. And what you're going to see is that as long as David was soothing Saul, Saul was okay. But the moment that David stepped into his anointing, Saul became angry. And when that happens, we need to use God's wisdom to handle toxic people his way. So I'm going to take you inside of this teaching today. And in another video, I'll be talking more about why codependents and narcissists um, often find themselves inside of toxic relationships and really what you can do to spot these kind of people to understand what your draw is to them so you don't get attached in the first place. But for today, I want to invite you in to this teaching on David and Saul and Psalm 17. Inside of this psalm, um, we see in, in verse 1, it says, O Lord, hear my plea for justice. Hear my plea for justice. And what I want to talk to you about is uh, how we take refuge under God's cover. And part of that 
is standing under his justice. Taking refuge under God's cover means that we release our offender to the Lord for his justice through the power of persistent prayer and trust in God's protections by aligning our actions with his direction. All right, so let's begin. And first, let's just talk about the Lord, God. And the first truth that I want you to see about God is that God loves justice and he hates injustice. Psalm 33.5 says, The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. And then Isaiah 30.18 says, For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait on him. And we even see as we look through the law of the Lord and we see how those were protective boundaries that God was sharing with his people so that justice would come to the oppressed and, and to the poor. And so the first truth that we need to understand about our Lord is that he loves justice. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you may be thinking, right, that you've been through an injustice of large proportions. And you want to say, God, where are you? And certainly when you turn on the news, you see so much injustice everywhere. But the Bible says in Acts 17, 31, that there will be a day for justice for all, we can count on the fact that our God loves justice and hates injustice. And right now, you and I are living inside of a broken world, and we will experience those bruises from injustice. But God has given us a remedy for that and how we can walk through that and experience his victory. And part of that is the persistent prayer of resting under his cover and letting him bring justice to the injustices in our lives and inside of the world. When you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit dwells within you. And this is the reason why you don't like injustice. Why things like sex trafficking and abuse make you angry? It's the Holy Spirit, the righteousness of God that doesn't like the poverty in the world or, 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 or when children are taken advantage of or when you have been wronged. God is a God of justice and he cares for his children. God protects and defends his children. Listen to this, Luke 17, one and two says this, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through who they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. In other words, God doesn't wink his eye at the injustices that you have faced and are facing today. He cares very much about people who take advantage of the powerless and hurt them. The Bible talks about the fact that the Lord is our shepherd, right? And 
There's imagery of that, not only in Psalm 23, but in John chapter 10. And it says that the the shepherd carries a staff and a rod, and the staff is to guide, and the rod is to protect the sheep. It doesn't mean that there won't be wolves that come at us, right? It doesn't mean that the hired man, the person that was supposed to take care of you, won't abandon you, but it does mean that you and I have a strong shepherd on our side who is right there with us whenever we face battles of any kind. One of my favorite scriptures is Jeremiah 20, 11a. Listen to what Jeremiah says. But the Lord stands beside me like a great warrior. Before him, my persecutors will stumble. Did you know that the Lord is your shepherd and he's also your warrior? And when you feel surrounded, right? As the worship song says, you may feel surrounded, but you are surrounded by God. And that is the strength upon which we can stand. That is the refuge that you and I can stand under. This was good news for David, right? Because David was anointed. He was anointed king. But David also had a lot of enemies. And whenever you are anointed, as all God's children are, you are going to have enemies. And one of those enemies was Saul. And I'm just going to lay a foundation uh, for our teaching today by giving you context of this psalm. Because most theologians believe that David wrote this psalm when he was fleeing from a very angry, very jealous Uh, very crazy, cray-cray, Saul, who was so afraid of losing his current power as king that he was trying to chase uh, after David. But let me give you just um, a little bit of background. And this all comes, if you want to read through it in detail, from 1 Samuel 15 and 16. And the first thing that I want you to see is that uh, Saul was your classic narcissist, right? He was using his position of king, uh, not in a godly way to serve others, but to serve himself. And so as as God, as he failed in that area, he was basically demoted. He was demoted from, from being uh, a king. And then the Lord came to the house of Jesse. Remember, Jesse is Ruth's grandson. And David is anointed by Samuel the priest. And so David is anointed to be king. Now, he's not wearing the crown yet. That's going to come about 15 years later. But David is anointed with oil, and he, he knows that he's been chosen by God to be the next king. When the very next part in Scripture, it says that a tormenting spirit entered King Saul, and nothing could soothe him but David's playing his harp. David, uh, when David played his harp for Saul, it, it soothed Saul. And this was very pleasing to Saul. And so he asked his father, can, can he come and just stay with me and live with me? And then the Bible says that David 
served Saul. And so David serves Saul by soothing him. And as long as David was serving Saul and soothing him, Saul was very content with David. But then one day, (laughs) David decides to step into his anointing and it wasn't to give him glory. He, He wanted to see the Philistine Goliath, a giant fall. And he knew that God was his defender and he knew that God was his protector. And he knew, I believe, what Jeremiah knew. The Lord is a warrior that stands beside him. So without the armor of Saul and with just a slingshot and three stones, he kills the great giant and David steps into the anointing, his anointing, because God's hand was on him, right? And so God gave him success. And when that success happened, the people began to sing. And it says this, that they sang these words, Saul has killed thousands, but David ten thousands. And then it says, this made Saul very angry. What's this, he said. They credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Next thing, they'll be making him king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David, 1 Samuel 18, 7 and 8. And see, here's the pattern. Um, As soon as David stepped into the spotlight, as soon as David started serving the Lord underneath his anointing, and, and when you walk in your anointing, you will shine. And as soon as he began to shine, Saul was threatened because no longer was the spotlight on him and that made him angry and jealous. And I want to ask you a question. Who is the Saul in your life? Is there a narcissist? Maybe there's two or three. And they are happy when you sit and soothe them and serve them. And maybe it's not a harp that you're playing, but maybe... (laughs) You always feel like you have to be the nice one. And so you always say yes and you never say no. And and they love that, right? Because they're getting their narcissistic feed off of you. It's soothing their insecurity. And maybe it is. Maybe it is that you have stepped into an anointing, right? Or you've decided, just like David, you found your voice and you stepped up to the plate. And when you stepped up to the plate and when you began, and maybe it was even this way, maybe you started saying no so that you could go to church. Maybe it is that instead of just volunteering in this capacity in church, you knew that God was calling you to sing and so you stepped up into your anointing and You stepped out of the shadows, right? And you started to sing and your soul became angry. Well, these powerful emotions of anger uh, in Saul's life, it led towards this, uh, the rest of his life, these unjust actions towards David. 
consistently trying to take his life and uh, because he feared, he feared losing that spotlight. Who is your Saul? As long as you are soothing and serving your Saul, he will be satisfied and very content with you. But the moment that you find your God-given voice and step into your anointing, it upsets the apple carts, right? And your Saul's gonna feel threatened and potentially angry and jealous. And maybe they're not throwing spears at you like Saul did, but perhaps it is that whenever you're around them, there's that undercurrent of unacceptance or or the words that are, are said to you are so sharp, or maybe it is that they talk behind your back and they slander you. And it says that Saul had a tormenting spirit and a narcissist will always have this torment in his soul if you aren't soothing and serving him because he's afraid of losing the spotlight because deep down in his soul, he's insecure and he feels like power is the way to prevent losing love. Who is it in your life that offers those underhanded comments that is your Saul? And how do you handle people like that? Well, we're gonna look inside of, of this Psalm to see and I wish I could tell you <laughs> that I've always handled Saul's correctly, but it's just not true. And sometimes there'll be a knee-jerk reaction in me that I want to punish my Saul back. And so I might gossip to my friends about that person or put them down or whatever it may be. And all the while, I'm the nice girl, so I'm being nice to them. And on the inside, I'm angry, right? And we stoop to their level when we do that. And not only that, we continue the cycle of pain as we pull that other person down. And it's our efforts to want justice, to want validation, right? To want uh, to, to have that support when you walk in your anointing. And there's your Saul punishing you, right? And so we want so much to have justice. And a lot of times it's a natural response, right? It would be, um, I, I think about this, whenever I go to the doctor's office and get my checkup and they check my reflexes, uh, they you know, hit your knee with that little, uh, I don't know what it's called, but some little hammer type thing. And of course my knee always, pops right up because it's that natural reaction. And when you and I get hurt, when there's injustice, there's two reactions. One is to fight, right? And to get back and to punish. And the other one is to flight. And part of the way that we flight is that we accept the punishment from our soul and we turn our voice down. And instead of hiding under the shadow of the Almighty, we hide under the shadow of 
our Saul. And essentially, we're taking the words that were said over us and we're agreeing with them. And especially if you and I grew up with the experience that our needs didn't matter, that we were to please others, right? Then this is normally the road that we'll take. But let me tell you something. God wants you to honor that voice within you. He doesn't want you to play into the enemy's schemes and punish your soul. But he doesn't want you to turn down the volume of your voice and hide under the shadow of your soul either. No, he wants you to come to him in persistent prayer and trust him to bring justice out of the injustices in your life. Um, and that is exactly what David did inside of our nurse scripture. David knew that there was another way. Asking God to intervene through confident, authentic prayer invites God to fight for us as we rest under the wings of his mighty protection. Now, you'll notice that up at the top of your psalm, before verse 1, you have a little description. Mine says in the New Living Translation, a prayer of David. Your translation might say it a little differently, but Psalm 17 um, is not only one of the psalms that reference uh, this imagery of resting under God's cover, but it's also the first of five psalms identified uh, as prayers. And except for Psalm 90, they describe the writer uh, in a dangerous situation, crying out to God for deliverance. Who needs deliverance from an enemy today? Um, now, there are 12 words for prayer in the Hebrew language. This particular word, uh, prayer, means to intervene. And when you and I, when we pray persistently, and I've never seen this before in the Word of God, but this is a huge part of you allowing God to fight for you and of you being able to walk in a forgiveness that honors you and that honors the Lord. How many of you need victory today? How many of you have experienced that the war is won on our knees? The first thing that I want you to see about David's prayer is that David went boldly to the righteous, just judge and asked for justice. Verse 1 says this, O Lord, hear my plea for justice. Listen to my cry for help. Pay attention to my prayer, for it comes from honest lips. And I want to ask you a question. See, here inside of this passage, we understand that David saw the Lord as the righteous judge, as the protector, as the defender, as the mighty warrior. He came to God to get justice. And I want to ask you a question. Do you see the Lord Jesus only 
as the lamb of God, but do you also understand that he is the lion of Judah? And I want to ask you another question. Are you going to a person to get justice instead of God, your righteous, holy judge, right? Are you asking your offender to validate that hurt? And I know, I know by experience that you just want somebody to at least acknowledge that they've hurt you. And sometimes that can be productive if the person is open to listening and hearing. But if we are seeing that person as the judge that is going to make everything right, it's an idol. Who are you going to to get your validation? God is your righteous, just judge. And it is through prayer that we can come to him and we can ask him for justice. Is there an injustice inside of your life? And have you cried out to your righteous judge for justice? The war is won on our knees. In Luke 18, Jesus uses this picture of a widow crying out to a judge to teach the disciples this truth that we should always pray and, and never give up. It says this, uh, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth that have faith? It was the persistent prayers, right, of that widow. And we have to be persistent in prayer. Now, here's what I want you to see. That it took David from the time that he was anointed to step into his role of king, right, to, to, uh, to, to wade through all the injustices from his enemy Saul. It was 15 years. David was king. That is what God's declaration over his life was. And it wasn't fair the way that Saul was treating him and throwing injustice at him. And we have for us, recorded carefully in the word of God, psalm after psalm after psalm of the persistent prayers of David, who knew that God was the righteous judge. Have you given up on God's justice because you haven't seen it yet? That's hard, isn't it? May today inspire you 
to always pray and never give up and understand that your justice may come from a completely different person or source because that person may not have the capacity to repay you for your wrong. But you can trust when you go to the judge, just like you bring a court, just like you bring a case to court, you can trust God's justice. The second thing that we see about David's prayer was this, is that when David prayed, he wrestled with God. Verse two, declare me innocent for you see those who do right. You have tested my thoughts and examined my heart in the night. You have scrutinized me and found nothing wrong. I am determined not to sin in what I say. And this is so important. So David comes to God and he talks about the fact, you know, he, he, he talks about how God has examined his heart. And see, sometimes in prayer, we have to wrestle with the Lord, right? We have to, uh, we have to ask God to examine our hearts inside of the injustice. And sometimes inside of the injustice, and this actually happened to me this week, and it never fails. Whenever I have to teach on uh, forgiving an offense or handling a hurt or wrong, I get to walk through an experience of being hurt, right? So that I can teach with compassion, right? <laughs> or maybe it is because, you know, forgiving others has not been an easy lesson for me. So maybe it is that God's like, I just want to make sure we're sharp on this skill. Let's, let's try that again. But anyway, um, I was very hurt. I was very, very hurt this weekend by somebody that I love very much. And inside of the hurt, I took it to the Lord and I wrestled with it. And God did validate my hurt. He validated me as the Lord has validated David, right? But God also showed me where I had fault in it too. You see, God showed me that I had slipped back into inside of this relationship that compensator role, right? Which is you're always compensating. You're always doing. And so a lot of times inside of that situations, you don't feel appreciated and, and you can get hurt. And, and so the Lord showed me that. And it was through the wrestling and the wrangling that I got the freedom from what was entangling me. God showed me my part and God also validated that hurt, right? And validated my worth. And that's exactly what David was doing as he prayed, right? Declare me innocent, for you see those who do right. You have tested my thoughts and examined my heart in the night. You have scrutinized me and found nothing wrong. I want to ask you a question. Who do you look to to validate you? As believers, we must look to one judge, no matter who's judging us. And that could be other people. It could be the enemy wreaking havoc in your thought life, pouring shame on you. But God has the final say 
on who you are. Nobody but your maker can tell you who you are and the purpose for which you were created. And then we see this, that inside of his prayer, that David surrendered to the Lord's battle plan. Verse 4, I have followed your commands, which kept me from following cruel and evil people. My steps have stayed on your path, and I have not wavered from following you. Now, this is huge. This was like huge, dinormous, huge for me. This was like my big, one of my big aha moments. There were a lot inside of this psalm. But David followed the Lord. There was an action step to take. And sometimes in my heart and in my wanting to rest under the cover of God's justice and let go of my right to respond and to set things right, right? To let go of the fight, to let God make things right. In all of that, there's been some passivity. And I can see, looking back now, that many times the Lord did ask me to rest and be silent and not say a thing. And sometimes he will ask us just to stand still. But other times he calls us to confront. Other times there's an action step that you and I must take. And many times God tells us to set boundaries. It says this, I have followed your commands which keep me from following cruel and evil people. Has God asked you to set a boundary with somebody that's emotionally unhealthy and you set the boundary, you know you heard from the Lord, but immediately guilt grabs you. And you feel bad about setting that boundary because you've always been the nice girl. And that's where you've gotten your identity. And so now you're fluctuating and the enemy's telling you that you're a bad, hateful person, right? And, and you're not allowing God to protect you. Has God told you to set a boundary? And perhaps it was that the COVID season, which is when I'm taking taping this, it's right after that, gave you this permission and freedom to do it. And now that COVID's over, it's like, what are we going to do, right? How do I handle this? Well, God's going to tell you how to handle it. And just like COVID gave you that permission, you can press into the Lord for his wisdom and be confident in that. Boundaries are much better than bitterness. And previously before, I was a very bitter person because I had zero boundaries in my life. I can't begin to tell you the freedom that comes from knowing that boundaries are biblical and good. God will give you a battle plan as you pray persistently and there's no one way to do it. There's no list to follow. Just the liberty of the Holy Spirit. When you're persistent in prayer, God will give you a battle plan for justice. Number four, David was confident that God would answer his petition. And he prayed with power and authenticity. 
verse six, I am praying to you, right? Not to a person. He's not asking a person. He's not asking himself. I'm praying to you because I know you will answer, oh God. Oh, if that could be our heart treasure tribe every time we go on our knees. Bend down and listen as I pray. Show me your unfailing love in wonderful ways. By your mighty power, you rescue those who seek refuge from their enemies. Guard me as you would guard your own eyes. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. Protect me from wicked people who attacked me, from murderous enemies who surround me. They are without pity. Listen to their boasting. They track me down and surround me, watching for the chance to throw me to the ground. They are like hungry lions eager to tear me apart, like young lions hiding in ambush. Do you see that David was confident in his God? I know many of you listening today may have faced terrible injustices. You may be walking through it now, but you can be confident based on the word that God will hear your petition. And I want to encourage you just to pick up Psalm 17. I love it. Show me your unfailing love in wonderful ways and just praying those scriptures as you petition God. And then I love this. David was authentic. He didn't skip around or sugarcoat his enemies. No, he cried out to God and says, here's what they did to me. And all that hurt that you're holding in, and maybe it seeps out in little passive aggressive comments. I know it did that way for me years. Know that there is a place where you can go to petition, to cry out to, to complain, to cry on the shoulder of the Lion of Judah, your righteous judge, and he will give you validation and he will give you vindication and he will give you a battle plan to see you through. And a part of that is always not taking vengeance in your own hands. That's what forgiveness is. It's releasing the right to take justice into your own hands. And it doesn't mean for a minute that God doesn't want justice in your life. No, we see that inside of the word. It means that we trust our righteous judge to give it. And sometimes you and I have to let go of the fight through forgiveness to allow God to make things right. And then the last point that I want you to see is that David realized that he might not see his reward on earth but that was okay because he lived for something greater. Verse 13, Arise, O Lord, stand against them and bring them to their knees. Rescue me from the wicked with your sword. By the power of your hand, O Lord, destroy those who look to this world for their reward. 
but satisfy the hunger of your treasured ones. May their children have plenty, leaving an inheritance for their descendants. Because I am righteous, I will see you. And when I awake, I will see you face to face and be satisfied. Now, this is the hard part, but also beautiful, that we may not see complete justice in our lifetime. David did with Saul. We may not see it, but we know because God's words tells us that there will be a day that justice will come. And it's not for us to decide where and when and how it happens. When we take that on, the Bible says that we're joining with the enemy and joining into his schemes. And when we try to punish our Saul, we waste energy. It robs us of our health and most of all, our focus. All this time that David was running from Saul, he looked to God to be his validator and his vindicator. And he never once was not going to be the king. But he trusted God to promote him and to place him at the proper time. And the reward often that we see in our lives, we may not reap it all while we are here, but you and I live for the priceless treasures of heaven that money can't buy. I can't begin to tell you the reward of peace that this release comes in your life when you see God as your righteous judge. I can't begin to explain to you how much better it is when God is the one that you look to for your validation. There is a greater inheritance. And right now there's that Holy Spirit, that holy thread connecting us to heaven. And God gives us his glimpses of his glory. And we certainly experience some of that here. But it is in heaven where there will be no more tears and there will be no more crying that we will receive our final reward. Are you waiting to see justice happen? And it's stolen your thoughts and your focus and your time and you're tired of it. And God says, you bring it before me. You go into your prayer closet and you cry out to me for justice and use Psalm 17 to do it. Praying God's word is powerful because it's time for you to move on because there's a queen in you. You are a royal priest and the enemy wants to steal your strength and your energy by getting you to focus on vindication or validation from others. And God says, you no longer have to do that. You can come and hide under my wings and rest under my cover. And you also, some of us, instead of punishing, we go passive, right? And we just accept what other people are saying and we stay quiet and we stay nice. 
when we step into the shadow of our Saul instead of our anointing, go to God and pray and wrestle with him and find strength to stand again as you fall on your knees. I want to close today by giving you three things to remember. Number one, look to the word and not the world to determine who your God is. My goodness, if we turn on the news and we look at the news or we think about our lives, we might agree with the enemy and say, well, God really isn't just, right? Because all of this stuff is going on. We've got to walk by faith and look at the word and not the world. Number two, look at the word and not the words from others spoken to you or implied by their actions to determine who you are. It didn't matter how much Saul threw at David. David was still going to be king because God's hand was on him. Only our maker can tell us who we are and the purpose for which we were created. Look to him for your validation. And number three, Always pray and never give up. God is your validator and he is your vindicator. All right, so with this study, I have an assignment for you to do. Um, I want you to get a bracelet from your uh, closet. Now you could do a couple things. You could get a bracelet from your closet. This is the one that I pulled. And I want you to put it on your wrist. You could, I know I, there's women in the treasured tribe and like Deb, Deb makes these awesome crafts. Okay. So I'm sure Deb is going to make like the most beautiful, but anyway, you can make your bracelet if you want to, um, or you can do something simple. Like this is, this is a hair rubber band. I mean, just something, something on you that, um, and it just is going to serve to us as a reminder that we can step under the refuge of God's cover, right? That we can put up our umbrella, right? And, and we should. And so this week, um, we want to remember to trust God's protection and justice in our life through persistent prayer. And that is the first aspect of resting under his cover. Now, whatever this bracelet is, um, I'm gonna be wearing mine 24 seven uh, because I really wanna challenge myself to remember to put up my own umbrella, right? To step under God's cover. And then the second thing that I want to leave you with uh, today is there's a beautiful, beautiful piece of poetry that is not in the book of Psalms. It's actually in 2 Samuel 22. And I just want to encourage you to meditate on this piece of beautiful worship and poetry that David wrote. So, and this and it says this, it's a called in my Bible, the title is David's Psalm of, of Thanksgiving. And it says this, this is kind of like the little subtitle. David sang this song to the Lord on the day the Lord rescued him from all his enemies. David had a lot of them and from Saul. 
<laughs> I just love that. Like Saul kind of had to have his own category because once Saul got jealous of David, that was all she wrote, right? So David sang this song to the Lord on the day the Lord rescued him from all his enemies and from Saul. And, and again, this was a, it, from the time David was anointed to being able to step into that role of king, it was 15 years. And so let this uh, psalm encourage you that God will bring justice in your life. And it's a beautiful, lengthy psalm. I'm not going to read all of it, but I want to read the last few verses. I'm starting in verse 47. The Lord lives. Praise to my rock. May God, the rock of my salvation, be exalted. He is the God who pays back those who harm me. He brings down the nations under me and delivers me from my enemies. You hold me safe beyond reach of my enemies. You save me from violent opponents. For this, O Lord, I will praise you among the nations. I will sing praises to your name. You give great victories to your king. You show unfailing love to your anointed, to David and all his descendants forever. You, treasure tribe, are a descendant of David. The Bible tells us that we're grafted into the family of Abraham. Did you hear that? For you give great victories to your king. You show unfailing love to your anointed, to David and his descendants forever. Take God at his word. Take refuge under God's cover. Release your offender to the Lord and let him validate and vindicate you as you pray persistently and redirect your energies to focusing on your God-given purpose and keep on shining. <laughs>